0: Welcome back to What's on Your Mind. I'm Dr. Gene Bresson. And I'm Dr. Steve Schlossman. And we're child psychiatrists at the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at the Massachusetts General Hospital.
1: Here's what we'll talk about today.
0: Uh, welcome back, everybody. Today,
1: we will be talking about the uh, novel that's turned a movie, The Fault in Our Stars, the John Green novel. If you've seen this movie, you know what it means to use Kleenex. This is a movie that makes you cry, and yet it is kind of an uplifting movie. So w- why are we talking about it here? Well, this movie opened the same week as The Edge of Tomorrow, which was a darn good sci-fi movie with Tom Cruise. It was the summer blockbuster season, and it killed that movie at the box office. This movie about very intense existential quandaries, two kids with cancer falling in love, Death and Dying of Kids, attracted the attention of teenagers around the country, around the world. And that struck me that well, maybe maybe Hollywood, maybe media Maybe we've been pitching below what the kids want to hear. Maybe in addition to seeing Tom Cruise in the sci-fi movies, what they want to see are these really profound questions asked in their stories, and they feel better for it.
0: Uh, Well, Steve, you know, it reminds me um, uh, a number of years ago when AOL had its chat rooms. One of my residents um, decided to try to see what these teenagers were talking about. And this was a number of years ago. And we were worried at that point about, you know, drug, sex, rock and roll, about predators, about, you know, kind of learning bad behaviors. And and she actually got herself to be one of the AOL monitors because they would have adult monitors. And to our surprise, and actually this was published, she found out that the teenagers were actually talking about morality, spirituality, religion family values, um, how to not bully each other about life and death issues, about relationships. And it was striking, striking to us that the kids actually on their own were bringing up these really heavy, deep, meaningful issues. And, they, you know, there was talk about, you know, a little bit about concerts and, 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 you know, sex. But for the most part, they were talking about, you know, These deeper things. Yeah, well, first of all, I'd like to
1: point out that sex is one of those deeper things. We we shouldn't shouldn't forget that. Um, But they're wired to, right? I mean, this is what we know about adolescents. We know that their brains are at a place where they can can do what's called recursive thinking. They can say, I know that he knows that she knows. You can imagine what it would be like to be chronically ill. You know, I've had parents ask me, is it okay for me to allow my teenager, my middle school kid, my 13-year-old, to go see this movie, given the content? It's a PG movie. It's not like a movie that's like horrible. It's not filled with gore or guts. There's not a lot of swearing. Is it okay for my kid to see a child who's dying in the movie? And it's fascinating to me because the kids do better with this than the adults. The kids – I have a hard time. With it. I saw the movie. I've read the book. They're They're wonderful, but I had a hard time. My kids saw it. They used a ton of Kleenex. But they felt uplifted at the end of this movie, and to me, that's absolutely fascinating.
0: You know, it. It's, uh, my daughter told me after she read it, she handed me uh, the book and she said, "Dad, you've got to read this book. You're going to cry." And I think your residents who treat kids with cancer should all read this because they really need to know what these kids are going through. But it's not morose, and you know, it, it's I actually was, funny. It's a funny story. It is a funny story, and it's amazing how they they actually are playful about things that are so tragic. Yeah, there's a there's a without giving a
1: spoiler here. Imagine what it's like to make out with somebody who has nasal cannulas and has those things that
0: make you breathe through your nose. Yeah. Well, you know when I when I. First, uh, I remembered the fault in our stars, and I and I went back to my. You, old you co- remember the line. I remember the line, yeah. and I went back because I had studied a lot of Shakespeare in college, and I went back and I and it was from Julius Caesar, and Cassius says to Brutus, "The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars; it's in ourselves. We are underlings." You know the meaning of it is is that destiny, fate, the stars, deals us a hand, gives us something. And it really isn't, you know, um, necessarily the... It's not you know, destiny's fault. It's not destiny's fault. It's how, we play, destiny. it's how we play our hand. Yeah. It's how we play the game. And I think kids get it. It's really the quality of living in the moment and what you do. Even if your life is shortened, you can actually make it high quality.
1: Right. You know, I've, I've heard somebody say before that the, um, the only disease you'll die from is the last one you have. Um, which, which is kind of a clever you know, notion because, because how do we decide what is, what's a short life or not? Now, let's be clear. It is a horrific tragedy when, when a kid dies. We all know this. Yeah. Um, I, I see those kids all the time on the wards because I work for the transplant service. When I go up to see them... I find myself trying to find other things to do. This is just my being utterly honest here. It's hard for me. I got my own kids. It's hard. But then when I see them, those kids are actually inspiring to me. They're uplifting, not because they're like, let's go get them, because they're kids. They're kids. They don't want to hear you're going to have a foreshort in life. They want to talk about what's on TV or what's in movies. Right. And so they experience what those kids in that movie, The Fault in Our Stars, experienced. And other teenagers are thinking about these things. And I think it felt good to them to see it on the screen.
0: Well, you know, it's amazing. Um, one one uh, patient of mine uh, a few years ago brought her 13 or 14-year-old to see me. And she was very worried because uh, he was getting up in the morning and he was saying, You know, Mom, I, I, when I go to sleep, I just can't stop thinking about death. And she brought... Him in to see me to see if this kid was suicidal. I evaluated him. He wasn't suicidal. He was at that age where he was thinking, "What what happens when I die? What happens to my body? What happens to my soul? Where do people go when they die? What is the meaning of 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 death?" And it was an existential crisis that he was actually grappling with. It wasn't suicidal. It was normative, and it was actually quite powerful. And he was seriously curious. You know, and to bring this sort of around to what you and
1: I do for a living, there's no x-ray for an existential crisis. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't have somebody come in and say, let me look at your, this x-ray and say, ah, there's the existential crisis. Or, or right a lab there. test. There's no lab test right. for this it. Right. This is part of growing up. Um, and so our job, what's actually so much fun is to tease out when these existential crises, which can be overwhelming, are being overwhelming or whether they're kids grappling with them as they often do in the displacement of stories. Now, how do we talk
0: with kids how can we tell parents can parents actually talk with their kids about these things are they interested in talking with adults about it or are they interested in just talking with each other because in the book you know they actually kind of mock the head of the support group who's kind of a a, a doofus he doesn't quite get it although he's the guy that brought them together and part of the job of teenagers is to make fun of adults of course yep. <laughs> yeah so
1: so these are teenagers making fun of the adult nearby. He happens to be the adult who runs the cancer support group, but if it weren't him, it would be somebody else. What's interesting, what the studies have shown, is that parents and adults are less likely to discuss these things with their kids or with each other than kids are with each other. And so that that causes two, I think, problems. It's utterly understandable, but the problems are one is that the kids and the families who are suffering from chronic illnesses that might actually take the life or at least threaten the life of these kids, they
0: feel alone. So one of the things that we can be reassured about is, is that we may worry about drug sex, rock and roll. We may worry about playing violent video games. We may worry about all kinds of risky behavior that teenagers take. But the other side of that coin is is that we all have to remember that they're also dealing with the very important things in life, the things that are meaningful in all cultures throughout all of history about life, about death, about spirituality, about the meaning of being on this earth and the meaning of being together with others. Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely. And the thing to remember is they're going to do it at their own pace. So you're never going to force this discussion on a kid. But as we've seen with this movie... They'll bring it on themselves. They'll show up. They'll pay their 10 bucks, eat their popcorn, and use their Kleenex. I I think it's a good thing. I mean, this gives me hope and optimism, which I've never not had, but this is just more proof of it for um, teenagers in this country, certainly and all around the world. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. Um, Listen, if anybody has any questions or thoughts about this, please do check out the website. uh, Drop us a line, and we'll um, talk to you next time. I'm Steve Schlossman. I'm Gene Bereson.